Hello, college football fans, and welcome back to another little Sunday interview edition with Wes and John on College Football Pick'em Show. Thank you very much for being back with us again. We've got another very special guest today. John, if you want to go ahead and introduce our guest, go right ahead. Uh, a close friend of mine that I've known over the years as well. His name is Brian Finley. People in the Memphis area might know him since when he was one of our sports hosts with ABC 24 and WLMT Channel 30. And uh, I, met, I first met, actually met Brian as we had a high school football game when he did the, the show, the Sonic Blast show with Jessica Benson, who's now with Grind City Media. But uh, Brian, thank you for your time and I uh, appreciate what you did for the city of Memphis in general when you covered sports for us, you know, back in the day. So I thank you for that. But uh, talk about what you do now in the West Coast area as well. Yeah, guys. Well, thanks again for having me. And I really enjoyed those couple years in Memphis and getting to foster some really neat relationships with a lot of those high school athletes, because some of them now are like dominating on the college ranks and some even in the NFL. So it's so fun to see the kids before they become big time because you can see it in them. And then all of a sudden they flourish as far as what I do now, guys. So I do a couple different things at the moment, but I work for Fox Sports Radio as a national anchor. So essentially what I'm doing is their hub is in Los Angeles. And when you hear any of the programming nationally, I come in at the bottom, the top of every hour and we'll give you the latest sports headlines and provide some introspection on it, add a couple sound bites from a coach or a player, a radio play-by-play clip, just to kind of give everybody an idea of what's going on right now and the most pertinent information in the sports landscape. On top of that, I work for UCLA where I host a, like their coaches show. Mm-hmm. I'm a co-host for that on the radio. And so we're doing football slash basketball. And then I also do some tennis broadcasting for USTA along with the ESPNU stuff I've done for tennis as well. So I do enjoy that broadcast that you do with tennis in general, especially the college rings. You know, like I think you covered the NCAA championships, this, you know, this year as well. Was it like in South Carolina? But were you actually there live, or were you actually doing it from your house, or how were you actually doing that? Oh yeah, one of well, one of the ESPN things I did was actually in San Diego, and they were able to stage it. No fans, unfortunately, and the same was the case in South Carolina where there was a pro tournament I did. So it's amazing, guys, how many events are getting done and are getting put on, unfortunately, without the fans. But I just love the perseverance of people and event organizers to to see these things through. So, yeah, both of those events have been on site and it's just amazing how we can still pull these things off. It's good stuff. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about uh, Chip Kelly. Uh, I mean, me being a, a former – I mean, I, I coach youth football, but still, I'm an offensive junkie, man. And uh, yeah. when you look at Chip Kelly, just give me a little insight into how cool it is to be able to pick his brain every week about his football program. So, yeah, you know, it's interesting because we, I, I personally haven't had a whole lot of discussions with him because of COVID and, and other stuff as well. So I haven't been able to, to get a good feel for him one-on-one and develop that relationship at this point because of some extenuating circumstances. 
But I would say, man, that, gosh, his ingenuity as far as offense is on display. I don't know if you guys watched any of the game on Saturday, but UCLA almost had a chance against Oregon. It was down to the wire. What I've noticed about UCLA this year is that they're a little bit more up-tempo offensively, kind of like what we saw with – what he did at Oregon. And so it was different. The first two years, we didn't see a whole lot of that, but now we have. And so it's fascinating to see the the turn of events here because he was so ahead of his times as far as the up-tempo stuff. And then everybody seemed to want to do it. And so it's like, well, how do I stand out again? But I, I just think that for him, the next step is getting the recruits. He's basically had a, wipe the slate clean at UCLA, get his guys. He's starting to get some experienced players underneath him that have been under his tutelage for a year or two. And you're starting to see a little bit of the the positivity of that. Now it's about getting more of those four stars and maybe some five-star guys to complement what he wants to do. And I think they'll be right at the top of the conference. Yeah. Now is Rip, now is Rip Shear game. still part of the staff? Brian? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you hear me? What's that? I said, is Rip Shear still part of UCLA staff in general? Is it weird? No, no, no. He said, is Rip Shear still a part of their staff? Rick, sorry, guys. Could you repeat that? Yeah, Rip, like R-I-P. Oh, Shear, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I remember him. Um, you know what? I remember I remember meeting him. I don't think he is. No, I think he's moved on. I'm not sure exactly where he is at this point. But, yeah, he has moved on. What a great guy. And somebody, right, that has Memphis ties, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. He was our head coach for, uh, what, about six years, John? Yeah, he coached my cousin back in the 90s when they beat Tennessee, oh. as a matter of fact, uh, Ryan. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that's, you know, if you remember right, this is where it's crazy. When you came in town last, back when UCLA played at Memphis, you know, yeah. you told me Rip Shear was actually coming down the elevator like a few minutes later. Yeah. And sure enough, I got to talk to Rip for a few minutes before I talked oh, to good. you. Oh, good. Oh, good. So I was like, yeah. you know what? I'm glad, you know, to see that Memphis connection actually do so well, decent at UCLA because, you know, me personally – as a Memphis fan, it's good to see people succeed in life and go to a bigger program in UCLA totally. in general. And then, you know, like I said, I got to give you a lot of credit. You know, you basically done a lot of stuff for UCLA in general. And, you know, you've seen Josh Rosen up close and personal, and, you know, he's in the NFL now. Or at least I think he's still in the NFL. He might got picked yeah. up by somebody. I don't really remember. Yeah, but, uh, he's on the practice squad of the Buccaneers right now. Hopefully he can gain a better footing there and learn and grow under Tom Brady. I think that's a much better fit for him uh, versus uh, being in Miami or being in uh, Arizona. Couldn't agree more with you. I think you're, I think you're spot on. Yeah, I think if you look at Bruce Arians uh, and just the quarterback whisperer that he is, uh, and, and I mean, I've, come on. I mean, who would you rather learn under Tom Brady or any, I mean, give me Tom Brady. I, I, I'd rather learn yeah. from him than anybody else. Uh, just, the, just the sheer amount of just knowledge that he's got, uh, not only for the game itself, but 
for each of these teams that he's played, I mean, there's not much that Tom Brady hasn't seen. Um, yeah. When you look at the Pac-12, of course, you know, the old saying, Pac-12 after dark, you know, not a lot of people mm-hmm. really watch the Pac-12. I personally have always enjoyed watching their games just because I love football and I'll get to stay up till 2 o'clock in the morning watching it. Um, give yeah. me a team, yeah. uh, a team like, well, let me just put it this way, a team that I like <laughs> yeah. out of the Pac-12 right now, and I'm a big fan of their head coach, and that's Herm Edwards at Arizona. Um, I just like what Herm is doing out there. Okay. Obviously, he's doing it the right way, uh, like always. Um, give me a team that you think uh, it is a surprise this year in the back in in the uh, out 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 west. Yeah, you know, I think I think USC guys. To be honest with you, USC they've been getting a lot of flack for not living up to expectations the last mm-hmm. few years. And Clay Helton has been the source of a lot of frustration and criticism. And he has his team 3-0 and and in the top 25 and number one in the Pac-12 South. And I know some of those games that they won early on were really close, but sometimes that's what it takes in a weird year like this. And then you go back to Saturday and they force all these turnovers on Utah. And I got to say, man, USC has to be the most surprising team that I've seen out of the conference so far this year. Another surprise team that a lot of people are kind of talking about as well this year is Colorado. We know Colorado will definitely find out for sure how good they are in this couple of weeks when they play a little bit Mm -hmm. better competition in my book. But, uh, Colorado could be definitely a dark horse as well. Yeah, I mean, they beat UCLA, and I'm sure you guys might have seen that game or certainly saw the score. And Colorado was up 35-7 to against UCLA, and it just looked like the Bruins had just lost it. Then they start coming back. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback, starts chucking the ball downfield and having these explosive – big plays and all of a sudden it's like within a touchdown within 10 points but they couldn't get over the hurdle in the fourth quarter as the Buffaloes had a little bit more but it's interesting guys their head coach Carl Durrell used to be the head coach at UCLA so he gets a little bit of payback in beating his former employer Hmm. forgot all about that wow (laughs) yeah I totally forgot about that as well um when you look at uh, a coach like Mel Tucker, who came from Colorado. Um, what is something that you think he can bring to Michigan State? Of course, if, you know, we've watched Michigan State this year. They did not look good against Rutgers. Uh, they looked better against a Michigan team uh, who, as we found out last night, uh, it took three overtimes to <laughs> Rutgers. Um, give me a little bit. Give, give, me, some, uh, give me some coaches that, that you have been impressed with uh, being, being able to watch and learn uh, following the back love. So other so okay so coaches in the Pac-12 currently correct yes or former I can do both well I mean I was just using Mel Tucker as an example of a great coach sure. in the 12 that 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 moved on yeah let me think here guys we asked well, questions on I, this show yeah I mean <laughs> I think he's is it okay if they're still in the Pac-12 now yeah that's yeah fine. you can do like yeah. I said you can do current and former let's do let's just do both if you want. 
Yeah, I think sort of traditionally, at least the last 15, even, I don't know, 20 years, maybe, maybe not that far, but 15 years, yeah, 15 or so years, the industry standard for sustained success has to be Kyle Whittingham at Utah. I mean, that guy, it, it can't be the easiest thing to recruit to Utah, given the other teams that you're competing with in the conference on the West Coast and, and certainly other Power Five schools. But, I mean, you look at how close, and I know this year it, they, they weren't able to play their first two games because of COVID, but traditionally, like, they've been so good. They've had really good run, a running attack. Their defensive line has just been massive, and they've been behemoths and space eaters and just so good at stopping the run. So many of their guys – have made it to the NFL and they have a pipeline going there. Even if you go back to like the two thousands when Alex Smith was the quarterback at Utah, I mean, what was that? 2004, 2005 or something around yeah, that there. Was, I mean, that was, that was Urban Meyer's run when he was at Utah. It was 2004. So many... Yeah. I mean, they've been, they've been solid since then. Winningham's been there forever. He knows what he's doing. And, and then you look at, like, who's left that program since Alex Smith. Like, you know, Urban Meyer was there. And the coach over uh, – Dan Mullen was there at the time of Utah. So they don't get enough credit for how many under – their university that have gone on to be really big time names. Look at Dan Mullen, what he's doing at Florida right now. It's, it's amazing. I mean, he's a, got a top 10 team. He's got a quarterback in Kyle Trask who could win the Heisman. And then, you know, what Urban Meyer's done. So I, I, I think Kyle Whittingham has to be for me, the guy that stands out. Yeah. He stands out to me as well with uh, Washington coach. that used to be at Boise a long time ago. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. Uh, Brian, talk about uh, with the Pac-12 or UCLA basketball with Nick Cronin going in, I believe, what is it, year two now, I believe, with Nick Cronin? Yeah, um, man. I want to see – tell him that uh, I would love to see a UCLA-Memphis home-and-home basketball game next, you talk, next time you talk to him because I definitely would love to go out to Los Angeles to support Memphis and, you know, just especially support Nick Cronin as a person as well next time we see him. I would love to see that matchup happen. If it oh, is, it's man. all possible because well, you, you guys, I've never been, I never have been to the Rose Bowl or even okay. looking at that or even that atmosphere for a basketball game. Luckily, my dad got to see like UCLA Memphis growing up, but I didn't because I wasn't even born yet. But uh, tell yeah. him I'd like that Memphis and UCLA home and home basketball matchup because I would like to see that matchup because Nick Cronin to me is definitely does not get a lot of credit than he doesn't definitely deserve because to me, He's been a winner everywhere he's been. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. no doubt. Yeah, he's won everywhere he's been. Yeah, he, he, guys, he just gets the job done. I look at this team, and I think Mick Cronin this year has an elite eight caliber program. And that's not short-sighting anything. He has everybody back that's important from last year. Chris Smith tested the waters and got an examination from NFL or NBA scouts and decided to come back. He'll be a senior. The guy could be, if he continues to improve in the way he has, 
will be a first round pick in next year's NBA draft. And then you have a nice accompaniment of big guys who are just mean, aggressive, tough-nosed, get rebounds, do whatever it takes for the team. I love how Mick Cronin has eliminated a lot of the me, me, a lot of the ego that in, in maybe years past you could say was a bit of a downfall in the locker room. But he just has completely changed the culture. Tiger Campbell, the point guard, and I'm actually going to chat with him, I think, tomorrow about the season because the Bruins have their first game on Wednesday against San Diego State, which should be a really good game. Yeah. But everybody's back. They've got three-point shooters. That was something they missed a year ago. They've got just – everybody's role is – has its place. A hustle guy, a dive-on-the-loose-ball kind of guy, a three-point shooter, a back-you-down and, and – pull that rebound out of your hands guy and a guy that you can rely on to knock down the mid-range jumper in the clutch like Chris Smith so I can't say enough about this team it's going to be a wild year you know as far as like maybe there are games that get postponed and they got to play later but as far as the talent they're predicted to finish number one in the Pac-12 and <laughs> I can't disagree with that to be honest with you yeah, I see UCLA and Oregon probably battling it out, to be honest with you as well. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And Oregon recruits really well, so that helps them. Well, as you know, the being a Memphis former guy, you see, I don't know if you remember this or not, but Jonathan Lawson, the Woodell product, actually is probably going to join his brother at Oregon. That's maybe right. Early I enroll. saw that. I heard about that. But uh, talk, uh, we're going to give you another example of Pac-12 basketball, but – uh. Give us some teams yeah. that other than UCLA that might surprise people in the Pac-12 this year. Teams that might – in the Pac-12. Well, let's see. I do know that USC has Evan Mobley coming on their team. And Evan Mobley is like – I think he's like top five, like rated recruit in the nation. So I think, I think USC – is going to be fun to watch. They lost a, a bunch of their role players, some of their swingmen, guys have been around for a while. But I think USC is going to be flashy, so they're going to be entertaining and, and good for television. Gosh, I'm trying to think of other – I think Stanford is on the up and up, no question about it. I think Stanford is a team that you're going to want to keep an eye on. They're recruiting well. They're only going to get better. Uh, let's see. I know Washington one thing about Southern, I know I know one thing about Southern Cal real quick, Brian. Sorry to interrupt you, but uh, yeah, they do have a great coach in their coach as well. You know, from the Florida, uh, what was it, the Dunk City back in the day with the uh, good old the oh, Florida yeah. team. Yeah, 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 Florida Gulf Coast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He when you, you know, he, the, he, yeah, he recruits well. There's no question about it. When you look at the Pac-12 as a whole, uh, just conference top to bottom, and then you look at the NCAA tournament, uh, of course, as we know, you know, the, the Pac-12 hasn't always uh, fared the greatest in the tournament. Sure. Um, who do you think uh, is, is a team that, that has capabilities to make a big run? I know you referred to UCLA earlier as being pretty loaded. Do you see it being just a, a, 
a, a one horse uh, race for the big for the Pac-12. I'm sorry, or do you see do you see a few teams making it? Yeah, that's a great question. I think UCLA is going to be a prime player. Barring knock on wood, no injuries, they will be in it. I, I just with Oregon, they're always a possibility. They always look so good on tape. They always have great players, but they've had injury issues in the past. And the problem with them is that most of how they've operated is through the whole – a lot of their one-and-dones haven't really panned out as far as them finishing a full season. And then, obviously, you guys know how – it can be a detriment to team chemistry when you have one and done because then you got to start over all over again. So I don't put it past Oregon to make a run, but I just, I continue to have concerns that they can do that this year specifically because the guy that was their floor general Peyton Pritchard for four years was like the glue guy. I think he was back 12 player of the year. And he was a first-round draft pick this year, by the way, in the, in, in the NBA. But Peyton Pritchard is their point guard. He was their facilitator, did everything for them, was the glue to, to the chemistry and the offense and the defense. He's no longer there. So I, I just – I can't see Oregon being as good, at least at the start, without him. Mm-hmm. Uh you know who's going to be an interesting player, guys? And I don't know if they're going to actually make the NCAA tournament, but they're going to be better than what they've been in the past. Look out for a team like – I like Kyle Smith, the head coach at Washington State. The guy wins. Really? Now, he had one of his players, C.J. Elby, go on to the draft, and I think he was picked up in the second round. But as far as a coach, you won't find a lot of – better X's and O's guys that know how to win strictly on X's and O's than Kyle Smith at Wazoo. Yeah, that's a that's a name that I I don't know that I've ever even heard that that name before. Oh, about Kyle? Yeah. Yeah, I think he came over from the University of San Francisco. Oh, okay. And yeah, so he, he came over, but the dude just wins, man. I mean Washington State beat UCLA last year up at WSU, and it was like, wow. You know, Washington State for, for many years had sort of been an afterthought, yeah. but they're competing now. And so when you have the bottom feeders like Washington State competing and putting pressure on other teams, that does well for the conference. And I think that signals to all of us that – more teams could be postseason caliber when you have a little bit more parity within the conference and you have more equal, not equal, but more level-ish competition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just a lot of good college basketball coaches in general in the Pac-12. <laughs> uh, what about California Golden Bears with Mark Fox? Any idea, like, about them? Yeah, you know, I don't know too much about them. I know that they last year really struggled to score. Their offense really struggled to score. And I don't know the exact stats, but putting the ball in the basket was really a challenge for them. And mm-hmm. Cal has been 
down the last couple of years, guys. And I, what, Mark Fox might be the guy. What did he – he came from Georgia, right? Isn't that where he Right, yeah, he came from, from Georgia because Conzo Martin took the Missouri job, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, still. that's right. Yeah, so, yeah. So, you know, I, I don't – what I – I don't know too much about them other than offense was a liability for them last year, and they can't get much worse on the offensive side of the ball. So, maybe they maybe they get better. Maybe they get better for sure. Anything that you want to share with us regarding the women's basketball in general in the Pac-12? Uh, well, I do know all I'll say about the women's basketball is with what UCLA has, and they have the preseason number nine ranked team in the AP top 25 poll. Mm. But just to give you a sense of how good the Pac-12 is, I think they're third or fourth in the conference as far as their preseason ranking. Wow. The Pac-12 conference, no doubt is the best, most polished, most competitive women's basketball conference in college hoops. And there's really not a debate at all as far as the Stanfords, the Oregons, the Arizonas, UCLA's, all of those teams can make a Sweet 16 easily. So if you like women's basketball, the Pac-12 conference is where you're going to want to feast your eyes on. And UCLA has a chance to get right in there with all of those other big dogs. And Corey Close is the head coach. She wins a lot, and she's able to do a lot with maybe not as much as she wishes she had as far as at times talent. And then once she recruits, she can get a team into an Elite Eight, a Sweet 16. I mean, she's done it before. Ryan, the reason – yeah, because, uh, yeah, like you said, the Stanford, you know, Oregon, Arizona – UCLA are definitely top-notch in the Pac-12 in women's basketball. Yeah. You know, regarding them being in the top four, I agree with you 100% on that because think about it, is other than the SEC, Big Ten, ACC, and now, you know, the Pac-12, I think those, me personally, are the top four in women's basketball around the country right now. Nothing to bash other leagues, but I think those are my top four because yeah. they got some good players that come out. For example, look at the – I forgot her last name. Remind me, but uh, the one that played at Oregon last year or last year is now with the New York. Oh, Liberty. Sabrina, Sabrina, yeah, right? Sabrina, like was a killer. Wes, yeah, she was averaging a triple double. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, no question. I mean, everybody was watching in awe at her play last year, and I know she had a really tight knit relationship with Kobe Bryant. Did Sabrina as well? So. Certainly his influence has rubbed off on her, but UCLA has had quite a few that have gone on to the WNBA as well. And so you're just seeing like a, a, a potluck of talent from the Pac-12, like have a highway to the NBA, WNBA and it won't end any, anytime soon. I just, I just love what, the conference is done because you have South Carolinas, you have Yukons, but the conferences that they're, they're in are not very strong. And so it can be a little bit deceiving when you see a UCLA team with like maybe four or five conference losses, but you look at the caliber of talent they've played and they're more battle tested. Right. Right. Um, just to flip back to college football real quick with the PAC 12, 
uh, I guess the big question, I think, on a national level is, will there be a Pac-12 team in the playoff? Um, I think if you look at the Pac-12 right now and just look at the sheer rankings, of course, Oregon would have to be top on that list. Uh, with the Pac-12 having a um, shorter season, you see a team like an Oregon uh, possibly slipping in. I, well, I don't want to use the term slipping in, but possibly getting into the playoffs. I have my concerns about Oregon because of how they played against UCLA on Saturday. I just don't think that their defense has proved that it deserves, if it even wins out, maybe that's up for debate. But they've yeah. had – Oregon have had so many players that have opted out of this season that it's really – ruined and dampened their chances one team that i think will if they go undefeated in pac-12 play that will be in it i think is usc i think the teams that have more of a sustained success and have more of a national brand like a usc even maybe in oregon you could say so i'm not leaving them out of the equation are more likely if they go undefeated to make the college football playoff than say a, a lesser known Pac-12 team going undefeated or winning the Pac-12. Right. You're going to have a little bit of favoritism even subconsciously I think in a shortened abbreviated year for a team that has had in the past a lot of success and I just think that sometimes plays into the minds of these decision makers and these voters. So maybe USC and, and Oregon but let's say somebody else goes for a run, even if it's not one of those two, if they don't have the pedigree nationally, I just don't think they get in. Brian, with you living in the Los Angeles area, how did it feel, you know, watching the Lakers and the Dodgers win the World Series? Well, it was very therapeutic, I know, for LA fans to get that, especially on the Dodgers side where – they had been so close for so many years and there was so much heartache and so many fingers were blaming Dave Roberts, the manager, and he finally gets it and wins a championship. And he, he played baseball at UCLA. So that's a kind of a cool connection there for Dave Roberts. And so, yeah, the whole city rejoicing with that. Now I guys am a Clippers fan. So okay. <laughs> I, I'm a little bit like, uh, you know, I'm kind of like, oh, okay, the Lakers won. I'm not here celebrating that because I was pouting in how the Clippers blew a 3-1 playoff series lead. Uh, you know, that, that, that was devastating to me to see that more so than celebrating the win in the championship for LeBron and in the Lakers, but if you guys have seen what the Lakers have done in free agency, they're not going away anytime soon. They have only added to their weaponry, and I think they have to be the predominant favorite to win it all again this year. Now, I don't know if you saw this report or not, but the Lakers could be definitely going after Mark Gasol. What's that? The I said Mark Gasol could possibly be going to L.A. and join the Lakers. Oh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be neat for him. I'm, I'm just happy for Mark that he got a ring. You know, I just – that he, he's too nice of a guy, too great of a human being. I'm so glad that 
he was able to go up to Toronto and, and get a ring because he deserves it. Now, when you being from the Memphis area one time, were you really a Clipper fan, though? Come on, now. We used to say, whoop that clip back in the day, remember? <laughs> oh, man. I, <laughs> I, yeah, those are times that I, I don't even remember, but uh, I, I, I pick and choose what I remember. And I, I remember the, the wait, yellow playoff wait, towels waving in the air. You're a Los Angeles Floppers fan? Well, uh, well, yeah, you guys call them the LA Floppers, yeah. But that was more. That was more. That was more during the the Blake Griffin era. You know, that was yeah, with true, Chris Paul true, and true. DeAndre Jordan. Very true. Touche. Good point. Good point. Are you surprised yeah. that Doc Rivers actually exited part ways with LA? I'm not surprised at all. I'm not either. Uh, not not at all. I don't know how much of it. You know, he he was the blame guy, but I, I like I, I I think he takes some of the blame, but. I don't think he deserves all the blame, not even close. I think that, to be honest with you, that the, the players and and how they handled themselves, very it was very unfortunate. But you had to have somebody to, to point the finger at, and it, it's, it's Doc Rivers. But I just don't know how much it really was his fault. Uh, but, luckily, you know, he gets a job right away. You know, that, that's the thing about Doc and – he might be a little bit overrated as a coach because he's had a lot of good teams, only has one championship. I, I think it was time for a change, and maybe this is maybe this is the right thing. I, I'll, I will say this, guys, about the Clippers. I think the reason, and I'm not the only person, and there's many, many people that think this, the reason the Clippers tanked in the playoffs last year was, I believe, a direct result of Paul George and – his inability to perform and that he was too much in his feelings. And I just, he was too much in his feelings. And I think that became a liability and the team lost focus and they lost obviously the series. Okay. Um, another question I got for you. Um, do you, Oh gosh, what can I say? Hang on a second. Do you have like a favorite memory of when you were like covering sports here in the Memphis area? Wow, man. Well, my favorite memory of all time, I've got, I've got a couple, but the one that's- You can save a few of them. That's fine. Yeah. The most vivid one has to be when I was at the Ole Miss-Alabama game in 2014 and Ole Miss beat them and watching all of the students- rush the field and yank down the goalpost. That has to be one of the most memorable moments of my time in the Memphis area market. But I will say, you know, we met doing high school football. I had more fun yeah. watching these kids and how good they are. The talent level is unbelievable. It's off the chain. And this, it doesn't get enough credit high school football, high school basketball, how good the players are. And it was just something like I'd never seen before. And you could tell that so many of these guys were going to go play college. And some of them were going to go professional. And I remember one of the first guys that I, they, that I followed and covered when I got to Memphis was, you guys remember Jeremiah Martin? I mean, oh, yeah. Jeremiah Martin. Definitely. Yeah. And he has not only 
represented the city of Memphis really well, but he has put together an NBA career and like, he just continues to work his tail off. And so that's what I remember about Memphis as the work ethics of so many of these kids and how they knew that they had talent. And if they continued to stay focused and concentrate on their craft, that they could make something really special with their lives. I really don't remember in detail, but I feel like I maybe took you to that Cordova versus Arlington game when you came in town for that UCLA game when it was like 72 to 63, when Jeremy yeah. Banks from Cordova ran wild. Uh, Jacoby Hewitt, oh, yeah. receiver for Cordova, ran wild. Who's doing good things at Indiana, especially when he tore his ACL last year. Oh, and then Jacoby? Who, yeah, and then who could also remember the Tate Colwick days from Arlington as well from that game as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, but uh, the 72 to 63 final score game, I believe it was, if I remember right. Oh but uh, what can you tell? Yeah, what can you tell a maybe like a person in college, or maybe a senior in high school that wants to do the same thing as you one day, and basically be it part of a journalism or broadcasting yeah. career like yourself? Yes. Okay. Here it is. It's believing in yourself. Number one. It's believing in what you do, and not letting other people and their perceptions of you make or create your feeling of yourself so you might have people that say you should do this you should do that you're only this you're only that don't limit yourself to other people's perceptions of you also you need to meet as many people as possible networking is everything in this business like it is for anything but even more so in this business develop relationships and do it in a way that is real it's not forced it's not contrived it's not fake get to know people in the industry build those relationships cultivate those relationships don't look at it as hey i want to reach out to so and so and say hey do you have a job but get to know them and then over time mutually perhaps that they 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 continue to remember you and something opens up and you're the first one that they go to so relationship building and Get, it's like watering plants. You got to give it time. That's the best way to go. Believing in yourself and having the work ethic, having the work ethic to work at all hours of the day, working weekends, working overnight, working holidays. How badly do you want this? Because it can be a competitive business, but not everybody is willing to put in the work and the sacrifice. But if you can, you will pave out a nice career for yourself. And also persistence. You got to be persistent. You're going to get rejected. Don't take it personally. It's not easy to do. Keep your head looking forward because those that stay in the game long enough, if they're persistent and they continue to work at their craft, they will have openings for you. And the last part is is stay positive. You know, when you believe in yourself and and you don't do it in a way where you're high and mighty and you're boastful, but you really say, you know what, I... I have something here that I can do that can help somebody else be positive about it. And that also will help you open doors, I believe as well. Wow. Appreciate that, Brian. What is that answer? Wow. What a, you, you nailed that one. Well, on (laughs) that note, um, well, thank you very much. Brian, real quick, Brian, I was going to tell you, you know, I don't say, I don't talk to you as much as we used to, you know? Yeah. And, 
I appreciate, like I said, I told you in the beginning of the show, I appreciate what you did for the city of Memphis. We miss you in the 901. Next time you're in town, we'll definitely have to hook up and go to Rendezvous yeah. or something like that or Central Barbecue. But uh, don't for be sure. a stranger to the Memphis market. I know you still get didn't your you still get family over here? Or did they move out west with you? Um, I have some friends that are in the Oxford, Mississippi area. Okay. So I definitely, if I'm ever in visiting them, I will definitely keep you posted because I'll definitely be flying in and driving through Memphis. So definitely we'll, we'll stop by. If I, uh, yeah, we definitely yeah. miss you over here, man. It's not the same without you. But, uh, you know, like I said, I appreciate you, everything that you've done from a friend level to a basically a person that you know from covering sports in general in the Memphis area because you know like you said it is a lot of hard work year day in and day out because the grind it's basically a grind you're working sometimes seven days a week or six days a week or even five days a week or just way all depends and then you're not getting home till after midnight because yeah for example you you got that 10 o'clock news to do and then you got like making sure they didn't miss anything for the you know that day in general for the next day in general as well. Yeah, because I mean, we would, oh sorry, go go sorry. No, I was gonna say up. plus you would basically work until midnight because you had that show back in the day as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, the Sonic Blast. I mean, we wouldn't get off till twelve thirty at night. I mean, I mean, on on a weekend Friday night, you know, twelve thirty a.m. was when we would probably be done with that. It was wild, man. Just. 1 a.m., you know, whatever. It was always such a late night. But the most important part of my time in Memphis will always be the relationships that I was able to develop with the high school athletes. And going into, you know, whatever neighborhood, going into whatever school, and just trying to promote the kids, get their highlights out, you know, tweet out clips, get them some more exposure that maybe they wouldn't have gotten regularly so that college coaches or educators can see the positivity that these kids are trying to, to go, go about in their life. Brian, I got a quick text message from a friend of mine that wanted to ask you this, but uh, yeah, he couldn't do it because we're on zoom right now, but uh, is Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp actually in Los Angeles with you? (laughs) Wait, what about, what about them? Skip Bayless, do they actually do their show from uh, Los Angeles everyday live? He does, yeah. I've not met Skip Bayless before, but I know where they do their show, and he, yeah, he does it. You know, they do the the the, the debate show that is competing with ESPN, and I believe the numbers are are very close between those two networks at that time slot, if I'm not mistaken. So basically, y'all start like seven a.m. over there, nine a.m. our time. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm most on the radio side, but you know, you so Skip doesn't really do radio, but what you will have is like a simulcast of Colin Coward. So Colin Coward will be on TV, obviously on Fox Sports One, and then he will also have his show on the radio. And sometimes I'll get to do the updates at the top of the hour for his his the radio version or portion side of his show so yeah there's some shows that do both and then skip and shannon are more just television well brian uh i know you're traveling for the holidays and everything like that right now and uh congratulations again to being on an uncle by the way 
But uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and your family, and I appreciate everything again for us. You know, I appreciate oh. your time. And uh, happy holidays and everything to you. Hey, right back to you guys. And stay in touch, will you? Keep me posted on how everything is doing. Keep giving me sports updates. And I look forward to talking to you all soon. And hopefully you get some R&R with your family this upcoming week. And by the way, Brian, I forgot to tell you, Barlow is actually in the state semifinals for the playoffs. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. I love it. But, uh, I love it, yeah, man. But, but, Brian, again, thanks, man. We appreciate it. And, again, happy Thanksgiving to you. You too, man. I'll talk to you guys soon. Catch you later. Thanks, man.